Welcome to First Do No Harm with Massachusetts Citizens for Life board member and physician, Dr. Mark Rollo. This broadcast will focus on medical ethics from a Catholic perspective and address abortion, physician-assisted suicide, contraception, natural family planning, IVF, healthcare proxy, and other topics. Please be advised that this show may not be appropriate for children under 13. Hello and welcome back to First Do No Harm, a show about medical ethics from a Catholic perspective. I'm Dr. Mark Rollo. Last time in part one of my interview with Massachusetts Family Institute President Andrew Beckwith, we discussed how the United States of America has begun to regain its sanity. The Supreme Court of the United States reversed the infamous Roe v. Wade decision of 1973, which was egregious from the beginning, as Justice Samuel Alito asserted. After nearly 50 years of the slaughter of the innocents, we have begun to restore our legal and moral bearings. Millions of preborn babies will no longer be indiscriminately killed. Inconvenient life will no longer be snuffed out with impunity. Death will cease to be a constitutional solution for a social problem. The Supreme Court, for now, has resumed its constitutional role of judging law, not making law. Truly, this is a time for celebration. However, just as millions of innocent human beings will be saved, millions more will still be considered as disposable. The atrocity of abortion will continue unabated in states like California, New York, and right here in Massachusetts. And so we in the Commonwealth have our work cut out for us. And in many ways, our work has become even more difficult because the rage brought forth by the culture of death has targeted many, including volunteer organizations that seek to help women with problem pregnancies. Pregnancy resource centers are under attack in Massachusetts and across the country. As the death chambers of Planned Parenthood and the like quietly close across the country in response to the rule of law, many abortion proponents have resorted to law-breaking. Today I will play part two of my recent interview with Andrew Beckwith, president of Massachusetts Family Institute, an organization dedicated to strengthening the well-being, health, and safety of families, including the unborn in Massachusetts. We will discuss how pregnancy resource centers are being vandalized by pro-abortion terrorists and targeted by government entities, despite the fact that their only mission is to save babies and help their mothers. I will also play part of an interview with the director of two of the roughly 30 pregnancy resource centers across the state. Her name is Kelly Wilcox, and she is the director of the Clearway Clinics 
of Worcester and Springfield. She will reflect upon her work and that of many selfless volunteers who seek to bring God's saving grace into the lives of many. Before we continue, let us pray. For as stated by the U.S. Catholic bishops, only with prayer, prayer that storms the heavens for justice and mercy, prayer that cleanses our hearts and souls, will the culture of death that surrounds us today be replaced with a culture of life? Revelation chapter 12, verses 12 through 17, reads this way. Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great fury, and he knows he has but a short time. When the dragon saw that it had been thrown down to the earth, it pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. But the woman was given the two wings of the great eagle, so that she could fly to her place in the desert, where, far from the serpent, she was taken care of for a year, two years, and a half year. The serpent, however, spewed a torrent of water out of his mouth after the woman to sweep her away with the current. But the earth helped the woman and opened its mouth and swallowed the flood that the dragon spewed out of its mouth. Then the dragon became angry with the woman and went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring, those who keep God's commandments and bear witness to Jesus. O God, please help the Pregnancy Resource Centers of Massachusetts. Give them eagles' wings as they fly into rescue women sought by the serpent, spewing a torrent of water out of his mouth to be swept away with the current, and save her offspring from the dragon who seeks to devour them. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. And now here is part two of my conversation with Andrew Beckwith, president of Massachusetts Family Institute, which will be followed by part one of my conversation with Kelly Wilcox, director of Clearway Clinics of Worcester and Springfield, Massachusetts. And actually, this kind of gets to something you just told me before the interview, that you, you have some breaking news, which at the time of the airing of this uh, program won't be breaking anymore, but you just uh, heard of uh, sure. something that happened at a, a local... Uh, Pregnancy Resource uh, Center. Can you tell us about right, that? I, I, yeah, it was just brought to my attention that last night, maybe early this morning, uh, two pregnancy resource centers in Worcester, so the Clearway Clinic and Problem Pregnancy, both were vandalized with windows being smashed mm. and spray paint on the facilities and the sidewalk in front of the facilities with the name Jane's Revenge. So it looks like it was that you know, pro-abortion terrorist group has been active and fortunately no one was hurt but you know we're seeing this pop up all over the country and in the wake of the leak of the decision yes. for Dobbs there were as of a couple of weeks ago already well over 50 acts of pro-abortion violence targeting pro-life groups 
all over the country, including my counterpart, the Wisconsin Family uh, Policy Council, uh, was firebombed. I mean, windows broke in and like a, some kind of like a Molotov cocktail or something, but there was, you know, a lot extensive damage to wow. their facility. Again, wow. fortunately, no one was hurt, but this is the pro-abortion extremists lashing out in yeah. anger, and it's not enough. You know, again, in Massachusetts, as we talked about, very few, if any, meaningful restrictions on abortion, but that's not enough. They want to go after, harass, intimidate, uh, and target pro-life groups that yeah. are, are just trying to help women keep their babies. It's so dark and cynical. And the, and the, viol- the physical violence isn't even the worst part. As, as horrible as that is, the biggest threat, I think, at this point, is you have everyone from Elizabeth Warren on down on the left uh, starting to agitate for laws or local ordinances that would restrict the free speech of these pregnancy resource centers, specifically targets them. I and the laws are boilerplate, so it's all come, probably from Planned Parenthood. We've seen this in Connecticut and multiple places in Massachusetts. It's all the same language. It specifically targets pregnancy-related centers that do not perform abortions and seeks to find them if they commit what are quote-unquote deceptive practice of course doesn't define what that is yeah right but you know if you have if you have a pregnancy resource center that tells women well your options are you can keep the baby or you know, we have to put the baby up for adoption but they don't mention abortion well that's a deceptive practice by yeah, omission right. and it'd be fine but if a Planned Parenthood clinic says we well, can abort your baby or keep it and don't mention adoption they won't even get looked at because these bills only apply to pregnancy centers that don't offer abortion. So uh, Kelly Wilcox, who's the executive director of Clearway Clinic, was testifying last night in East Hampton against one of these proposed ordinances. You know, as someone who works in the space and trying to push back against this and, and to educate the mm-hmm. uh, local city councilors, within hours, her own clinic out in Worcester was one of the ones that was uh, had the window smashed and was spray banking. Amazing. So you know, I, I, maybe 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 Jane's Revenge was listening in to the uh, to the city council meeting and uh, and targeted her. Yeah, it's a heck of a coincidence. But yeah. that's the type of that's that's what pro life is up against right now. Right. And they seem to to do this with impunity. Like you you, you mentioned, there have been fifty or so such instances as as pregnancy resource centers and the like uh, yeah. being vandalized. Imagine if abortion clinics were being vandalized. Oh, if, my word. If yeah. one, if one abortion never, clinic. We would never stop hearing about it. Yeah. And I, I doubt that uh, many people have really heard that much about these. I mean, you've heard some, but people would be up in arms and the, the uh, Department of Justice uh, you know, right. would be all over it. So we've won a major battle, but the fight continues. And the fight continues with kindness, for the meek will inherit the land. Joining me now is Kelly Wilcox. Kelly is the executive director of Clearway Clinic and has been for over 10 years. In her role, Kelly has been responsible for the strategic leadership of the organization. Clearway operates two women's health clinics in Worcester and Springfield. Prior to serving at Clearway, she worked as a global program manager for Nokia mobile phones. 
Kelly and her husband, Paul, have just celebrated 25 years of marriage. So welcome, Kelly, and uh, thank you so much for joining me today, and congratulations on 25 years of marriage. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Rollo, and thank you. It was a joy just last weekend, 25 years. (laughs) We're so excited. That's a great uh, milestone, especially uh, in uh, today's uh, culture. But I wanted to uh, ask you a number of things about Clearway Clinic, but before I do that, I was just curious when I received your um, bio to um, to find out what um, motivated your transition from being a global program manager for Nokia mobile phones to uh, working for uh, Clearway Clinic. Oh boy, that was that is a God story in and of itself, but I'll give you the short version. Um, I had worked in corporate for 25 years and had managed to make millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars um, wow. for <laughs> companies that I worked for. Yeah, and yeah. while I enjoyed it, um, it, there was just something that I felt like I could be doing so much more mm-hmm. than just making money for people. Not that I mind making money yeah. for people. It, it paid people. And, um, it's great, but you know, after 25 years, I said I've had enough, and I really feel like that 25 years was preparation for what God would bring me to. And I moved to Massachusetts. <laughs> We're originally from California, actually. Oh, mm-hmm. So we came here because my husband was with Bose. Um, Uh, just retired after 33 years, Uh and we came to Massachusetts to work for Bose. So that's how I ended up here, and I left corporate with this idea and heart that I wanted to do more than just make a lot of widgets and sell a lot of widgets, and that's how I ended up at what was then Compassion Pregnancy. Uh, Mm. Back then, we Mm -hmm. uh, were a pregnancy resource center, um, and we ran a baby boutique of free baby items, and we did post-abortion help groups, and we did parenting classes, but we didn't have any medical services. And you can see how my 25 years in corporate was then applied to then transforming yeah. our organization into yeah. a medical organization. Well, it's funny how God works that way and using our lives in the past to help us going forward. Uh, was, was there any kind of particular um, episode or event that, that helped uh, uh, facilitate that? transition? Well, I remember saying, going on vacation with my husband on a long hike, and I said, I want to do something meaningful with my life, Mm -hmm. and I want to serve in disaster relief. And um, so I left, and I came, and I came to, to Compassion Pregnancy, and it became very clear that we were going to either close or become a medical organization. And one of the people at the time that asked me to serve said, Kelly, this is disaster. Yes, right. I was just <laughs> going to say that. People, <laughs> you are helping people in the most important decisions yeah. that they will ever make, and you are helping them avoid a disaster. And so that always stuck with me, and I felt like, okay. <laughs> well, I guess you were well prepared in uh, disasters, uh, having come from California, one, one blue <laughs> yes. state to another, and... Uh, you know, yes. uh, we're both kind of uh, cultural disasters, I guess you could say. And speaking of disasters... Well, it's a mission field. It's a mission yes, field. Yes, it is a mission field. The reason I, I called you at the time that I did was that I was recently 
interviewing Andrew Beckwith uh, of Massachusetts Family Institute. Uh, I don't know if you know him in particular, but... Oh, yes, I love Andrew. He's been a very wise help to us for many years. Yes, yes, I, I thought you probably were quite familiar because he was definitely uh, familiar with you, and, and it just so happened I was interviewing him earlier in the month just when we were we were talking about the, the Roe v. Wade overturning and, and uh, related things that uh, MFI is doing. And while I was interviewing, he had gotten a text and so it was breaking news at the time that your clinic, the Clearway Clinic, had been vandalized. And so when I found out about this, and he also told me that you had been um, in East Hampton speaking, I think he said, to the uh, city council. And it just so happened that either that night or the next night the, the clinic was vandalized. Can you tell us about how that whole thing went down? Yes, well, uh, do you remember, uh, we're dating ourselves, but the the worldwide sports episode on Sundays, and they always started the segment with, you know, the thrill of victory oh, yes. and the agony of defeat. Yes. you remember that? Oh, yes, and, with a guy falling so, off of the ski jump, right? <laughs> yes, yes. And so for many of us, since the Dobbs decision, the, there has been this sense of victory, right? Right. Um, but we're in a state where they are experiencing it as the agony of defeat, right? Mm-hmm. So here we are, in a sense, behind lines, and we are celebrating the thrill of victory in an environment that is suffering the agony of defeat. Yeah, that's and a good way to put that, it. Yeah, and so that's actually, you know, in their emotional reaction to defeat, we have been dragged before the East Hampton City Council, then the Worcester City Council, then we've had our facilities vandalized, and then we've had our U.S. Senator and other elected officials uh, making comments about us. And it's just really brought to our attention, you know, we've been so focused on serving women and children. And we have already said for 22 years, look, MFI's got our back, MCFL's got our back, they're doing the education, they're doing the lobbying, we're going to focus on women and children. Mm -hmm. And we're not political organizations, right? We're helping women. But that's kind of where we've been for 22 years. And then the Dobbs decision happens, and now we have somewhat of an existential threat to our organization. And I think it's our responsibility to go out now and educate because what they're saying is categorically false mm-hmm. and demonstrably so. So we we don't have lobbyists like the abortion industry right. does, but we have a requirement to speak up for what we are doing and how we are serving the community. So that's kind of it's been a big wake up call for us that we can't just be focused on women and children anymore. We have to educate right. our legislators about the great work that we do. Yeah, absolutely. So I was, uh, I'm was. i curious, you say you were dragged in front of the uh, East Hampton City. Can you, can you say what that was all about? And, and, uh... Well, that's a poor choice of words on my part. <laughs> okay. Uh, just being someone that's normally an introvert focusing on women and children and having to go speak to... Um, you know, government officials yeah. is, is not um, my preferred daily activity. Um, but no, they had a public hearing 
and I went to speak on behalf of our organization. That's the correct way to I say see. it. I <laughs> see. I'm sure it felt like being dragged, but... Uh, but <laughs> that uh, was on me, not on them. They what, were very welcoming. Oh, well, that's good. Listened. That's yeah. good. Well, what, what, what prompted that? Were they... Did they call you and ask you to come talk about the uh, clinic, or, or what was what prompted the uh, hearing? Uh, well, the, uh, the, the East Hampton City Council was proposing legislation similar to that in Cambridge and Somerville. So that legislation is being brought up at various city councils um, across the state. And so then it was East Hampton, and you know now it's Worcester. So right. they're considering these types of ordinances that would have serious consequences for a mission like Clearway. And mm-hmm. so we're there to represent our voice and speak up. Mm-hmm. And Worcester was great. We had four clients come to oh. speak on our behalf. And we found out four o'clock the night before. Um, wow. You know, so I'm just excited that we have all these people that we have served over these years. We've served over 10,000 that would come in mm-hmm. public and share these very personal stories yeah. in front of cameras, on TV. Yeah, um, it was very courageous. To help us get our voice out. So, and, and all of this was prompted just by the overturning of uh, Roe v. Wade, um, or had they been uh, sort of on your case beforehand? No, um, that actually one of the Worcester City Council members even said that um, himself in voting against it. He said, you know, I've been on the city council nine years. We've been serving Worcester for 22 years, yeah. and there's never been a complaint. And, and now this is coming up, and he himself said, well, the timing is rather suspect. Whether it, it's actually a true correlation or not, I don't know, but it is something you know, a reasonable person would ask with the timing. Right. I guess it was actually rather close in the Worcester City Council. It didn't, wasn't it something like six to five they decided to move forward? I'm not quite sure what uh, moving forward means. Can you explain a little bit about that? Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, considering we've never done any public advocacy or education about what we do, or invited anyone to come, it was incredible just speaking there and, and describing exactly what we do. We had a five-to-five five vote, mm-hmm. and the, the mayor actually broke the right, tie. So right. all, all that happened was, is it, well, I shouldn't say all that happened, it went to their legal department to draft up something. I see. Um, because the... Even the council members themselves spoke about the concern for some of the constitutional issues yes. that were raised with the ordinance. Right. You know, requiring us to refer for abortion, requiring us to give abortifacients, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, then there were thing, real practical things like who's going to manage it? What's the definition? You know, there were, there's, some, there's some real concerns even from them about this proposal mm-hmm. so it went to legal to to draft something for yeah. them to consider well hopefully it dies there because uh, when i was you having been in california you may be already aware of the um that they had a law in california called the reproductive fact act was how they uh, i'm not sure what the acronym um, fact stood for but basically it was um uh, requiring or compelling pregnancy resource centers to um, to refer for abortion or to make it known where they can go, that got appealed, 
In fact, it was, uh, it was called um, NIFLA versus Becerra. So that was the National Institute of Family and Life Advocates versus Becerra, who was the attorney general in California and who now, unfortunately, is the head of uh, health and human services for the, for the federal government. But uh, that, that decision... In 2018, it, it went all the way to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court said, you can't do that, you know, telling California, you can't compel private entities that have no connection with government whatsoever to order them to advertise about abortion. Did you have wind of that uh, when you were in California? Uh, well, I've been here. I was here when that case was decided, and of course, we were following it very closely because it would have you know, had national implications. Right. Yeah, that's um, right, because you, you, you had already moved to Massachusetts when that, yeah, when that came yeah. down. And, I, you know, I think their strategy was really just to wear us down. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I don't think they understand that our motivation is really loving and caring for people. Right. Um, and really preventing them from disaster in right. their life. And well, if a woman comes to us, after we've given her full informed consent, we've given her an ultrasound, and she goes and leaves our facility without a referral, obviously, mm-hmm. and ends her pregnancy, at least we've done all we can to give her full right. informed consent. Because one of the things we hear over and over and over again with people we help with post-abortion care is, if only I had seen an ultrasound... I wouldn't yes. have had an abortion. And the second thing they say, no one ever told me I was going to hurt this bad. And that that is very motivating because day after day after day, we're, we help women and men, frankly, who have suffered from abortion. Yes. So if they ultimately choose that, that's what they choose, right? But But we need to help them be wise and have the information about the possible overall health concerns, emotionally, spiritually, and physically. And then also to know that we're here, if they do make that decision, we're here to help. You know, because right. the abortion clinics are not generally offer that kind of service. No, no, they, they don't do any follow-up service. If you choose something else, well, you know, you're kind of on, on your own. And they charge for their services, you can be sure of that, but Clearway Clinic and other pregnancy resource centers don't charge anything. Yeah, no, we don't charge for our services. Um, we, we, you know, each year we reach out to our supporters, and God always provides. We served, um, I think it was 622 women and children last year, mm-hmm. and um, we're able to do that because people support what we do, right? Yes. They believe in what we do. Yeah. Even those who believe in abortion still support what we do because you don't have to be pro-abortion to you can give someone and understand that abortion is a last resort for right. women. And as a community, we should do everything to help her choose a life-giving decision. Tune in next time to hear more of the wonderful work performed by Clearway Clinic and all of the dedicated volunteers who walk with women in their hour of need. And until next time, remember... We should always treat life with care and respect. And at the very least, we should first do no harm. First, do no harm. 
with Dr. Mark Rollo is produced at WQPH 89.3 FM, Shirley Richburg. We are very happy to share it with other networks. Thank you for tuning in to First Do No Harm. Dr. Rollo welcomes your questions and comments. You may contact him at markrollo978 at gmail.com. That's M-A-R-K-R-O-L-L-O 978 at gmail.com. Thank you, and until next week, remember, first, do no harm.